Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, like most people are like, yo, bro, how do I get certified? Can you certify me? Can you do? Like, they want to do what I do, right? So there's that, but there's also, like, my direct clientele, which is CEOs, executives in that environment, right? So it's, it's, there's alignment, but there's, there's enough idiosyncrasy and nuance in those two individuals. So one of the things that I found with CEOs or just super successful people in general is that they struggle. The more successful a person becomes, the more they struggle with self-awareness, not because they're not committed to growing, but they don't have a consistent, honest feedback loop. And so when you don't have a consistent, honest feedback loop and you don't know how to create an environment where people can be open and right. And that calls for you to be able to speak people's language and talk to them and have them, you know, speak to you in a way that you're receptive to, then it, it creates disruption in the environment. So there's already like this, you know, power dynamic, right. This imbalance, but it's the opportunity to, to humanize yourself and connect with people as a leader on a human level, make people feel seen make people feel acknowledged, make people feel um, understood, and make people feel celebrated. And once you do that, it changes not only the culture, right, the morale, but just your relationships, right, just your, your relationship with self and your relationship with other people. Well, if you have people around you, well, first of all, if you have the right people around you, then yes, that is a good thing. But two, as long as it doesn't create a wall or a prison that blocks you from the rest of the world, right? Because we've seen people who have just like, yes, people around them or they, they have the same people around them. So if you're a particular way, just by human nature, we want to be around people who are like us, that are similar to us, because it feels familiar, a.k.a. it feels safe. But if everybody is like you, then you're not filling the gap for the things that you're not good at. So I like to say, like, like blind spots are natural, but weaknesses are manufactured, Right. Everybody has a gift and everybody has a blind spot. 
but blind spot, but weaknesses are engineered because you're intentionally creating that. You don't have to, but by sticking to what you know and hiring more people that you like or associating with more people that are like you and not associating with people who are strong where you are weak, you duplicate more of an already existing challenge. And then it starts to become a burden that you can't lift by yourself. No, that's cool. Just, just rocking. Someone who's looking to work with you gets an opportunity, but in their eyes, like you way up here. And I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like sometimes people operate outside of like their natural when they're, you know, uncomfortable being watched. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Right. And like you spoke about staying in staying in that too long. Um, <clears throat> one, co- I got a lot of questions about that. But I, my, my first question about that: if you're the person that that person's working with, and you sense that you know they're not being the natural selves. Um, what are some ways that you could respond to that in a positive way? Because I'm not gonna double question it. But do you need more context? No, what if so if if I notice that somebody is operating outside of themselves, then it immediately lets me know that that person is feeling anxious, that person is feeling unsafe. And so what I immediately do is make them feel safe. I make them feel seen. Like, bro, like, it's cool. Like, we don't have to do that. Or I start to applaud and reward who they are. I start to compliment who they are. What I've noticed is that most people shy away from who they are because they've been, you know, somebody said something or something happened. They might have been made fun of or, you know, they've experienced something traumatic that makes them judge who they are. And, People want to operate as who they think they should be or who somebody told them they're supposed to be versus who they truly are. And it's getting people to understand that it's the best thing in the world to be yourself. Really, it's the only thing that you can be sustainably over the long haul. But it's cool to be you. And me personally, I live my life in a way where I want to be an example. I demonstrate like full ownership of who I am, the good, the bad, the beautiful, ugly, and, you know, give another person, because I can't do it for for them, but I give another person permission to be themselves by demonstrating and modeling what it is. But if I see somebody that is sort of operating outside themselves, I'll, you know, maybe pull them to the side or be like, well, no, like, that's cool. I like that you do that. And I lean into the thing that is true to them because people are going to, Right, we're we're creatures of habit. 
we're gonna we're gonna stick to the thing that we're rewarded to. So if I'm rewarding you being you, then you'll lean more in that, and you'll want to gravitate to the thing that makes you feel more comfortable, makes you feel more you. A person runs away from who they are because they've been punished for being themselves, and there's too many people in this world that have abandoned themselves because of you know lived experience, and they've been told that they're not supposed to be this, they're supposed to be that. But my thing is like be unapologetically yourself, even when it's not convenient, and stand on it. You mentioned people, um, people being punished for being themselves, and I imagine that that's happened to people like at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And so, if you've got, if you've got this person who spent the last twenty years not really being themselves. And they're not really, like, there's a possibility they're not really aware of, like, who they are to an extent. Personally, I didn't have, like, a third-person awareness of who I was until Mm -hmm. I took the disc. You know what I'm saying? So, back to that example, you're a person that somebody who's coming to work with you or work for you is looking up to, but they're not quite being themselves. Um, if with them having taken a disc assessment and being aware of what their assessment looks like, um, how would you, uh, how would you propose that person start to understand those characteristics and start to lean in who they who they are and let's start with someone who might have who might be like a like a high d high c yeah so i think with everything it takes education so it's informing them right so this is and again it when you take the assessment we're not telling you who you are you take the assessment and it's scientific data like you put the inputs in there and it gave you this output and it's explaining your preference, how you're wired, and all of that. So that you know, sometimes people reject it, like, "Nah, I'm not this." But once I start having a conversation with them, it's like, "Oh, well, yeah, right." And there's now we start to, well, where did you where did you get that from, or why do you have this feeling about this part of this aspect of you? And so is is getting them to understand, like, this is who you are. This is how you excel. This is your superpower, right? Like, I, there is a game that is designed specifically for each one of us to win. If we're not excelling at that, it's because we're not playing our game. Most of us are not playing our game because of what society says. There's somebody we trying to make proud or there's somebody we don't want to disappoint or somebody told us this is what we should do. We're living a life that's really not ours. Once you are aware and you take ownership of who you are and you are clear, everything changes. So I'm always looking to God. People like, no, this is what you need to stick to. This is where you are untouchable. This is where you excel and you feel more peaceful there. So let's lean into that. And then let's let's look for other people around us who we could partner with, who we could collaborate with to support us. 
And those are people that are going to want to support you because they're operating in what they are most gifted at. And once you start to explain it to people and it, they realize they're not being a burden to somebody or it isn't going to be, you know, this weird, you know, experience, it's like a weight gets lifted off of them and they start to get excited. And I see this a lot in team dynamics, right? Most people don't know where they add value or how they can add value. So most people are like, well, why am I here? What am I, what am I doing? They feel less than, or they feel like they're a waste. But if we're on a team and I say, Hey, this is where I'm strong. So this is where I'm going to lead. And this is where I struggle. Now we can start to pair people because if you're strong where I'm weak, you can automatically elevate me without me having to ask for it. And you'll do it gladly because it makes you feel good to be useful. And so on a team, in, well, just in general, people excel when they have clarity and when they have confidence. You have clarity because you have the knowledge and the information and you have confidence because you're doing something extremely well and you're doing it with little to no effort. It's an unbeatable tandem. Yo, what's goody fam? Listen, I know, I know, I'm going to let you get back to the episode, but I wanted to take a minute to let you know about the Human Behavior Mastery course. Yes, we have a course that we put together for coaches, consultants, corporate leaders, and entrepreneurs. I know you're listening to the pod and it's all of this numbers and the, the adaptive and the natural, the D, the I, the attributes. We put together a comprehensive course to walk you through exactly how to understand each one of the personality types, each one of the values, and we're going to show you exactly how to get the most out of each type, what things you need to avoid, what environments to put you in, and what pieces to put around you to be successful. So if you're looking at taking your business, your life, or your relationship to the next level, make sure you go check out the Human Behavior Mastery course. Back to the episode. What would you say, what would you say to a person who they just took the DISC assessment, they read their profile, now they feeling like an expert? Everybody that they see or meet, they think they can like peg what their profile is just off of a, co a a simple conversation and they start like actually what they do, the decisions that they make regarding that person is influenced by what they think they are on the disc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and again, I, it, one, take your time because it, it takes a lot of time to develop, you know, mastery of this, right? It, it, you know, for me, I, when I took the assessment, I studied my assessment every single day for two years before I ever looked to try to work with somebody or, you know, uh, coach them or do anything like that. Like I really got in tune. And one of the things that you start to develop is pattern recognition, right? So, Behavior, like the difference between behavior and a habit, behavior is something that happens in isolation. It's a single instance. It's nine times out of ten a reaction to something. A habit is a system. It's something that happens automatically on a subconscious level without you really having to do much. And in order for you to be able to consistently identify people 
and be able to read people and understand and communicate with them effortlessly, it takes time, right? So me, like I grew, like just for me, I grew up playing chess. One of the benefits of playing chess is pattern recognition. You read a board, you know, like, so I, I already have that skill and then I just applied it to the, the charts. So nine times out of it's I don't even look through the assessment anymore. I just look at the chart and it just clicks because I've, you know, 10,000 hours. I've probably gone through 10,000 plus assessments at this point. It just clicks. But for somebody who's just doing it, I would say take some time to study yourself. And once you come to those moments, those aha moments through discovery, um, one of my favorite things is just to remain in the question. Just ask yourself why or where this comes from or where was the first time I thought this thought and why did I think that? Once you start to be able to unpack that for yourself, now you'll be able to guide somebody else through and and guide them through the, the, the journey of discovery to understanding themselves. And in doing that now, when you start to interact with other people, instead of projecting you'll start asking questions well hey how do you feel about this or well, why does that make you feel that way and your relationships will just naturally start to get better but you will also get better at being able to understand read people engage people you'll be emotionally intelligent is this for uh, youtube or i don't know what he's gonna want to use it for but uh. Cool. How many more you want? I can go all night. Nigga, who you talking to? <laughs> um. That look at your assessment every day. It's hard, bro. I took my assessment on March. I took my assessment on uh, May twenty second, twenty seventeen. I didn't start coaching nobody until twenty nineteen. Huh? Somebody did my assessment with me. And he was a D. I studied that assessment every single day. Break down the, uh, can you break down, can you give like a basic, because you know it gets deep, but can you give like a, a basic framework for Breaking down an assessment. Because do you need context or you good? No, I mean, go go expound. Well, a lot of errors can be made. Like if, for example, the limited, the knowledge that I know about the disc is like, basically what I've heard from you describe like the biggest fear of all, all mm -hmm. four of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But then it gets, it starts getting interesting, especially when you meet people who have both or have like three things that are high. Mm -hmm. And so it's like there's, and then like just the actual chart itself doesn't mean, doesn't, doesn't describe everything. So like the chart itself might describe how, 
likely they are to behave, but then there's other pieces of it that mm-hmm. explain why and that explain, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you break down? So the that? way that I look at an assessment, right? So I'm also understanding that there are the three parts, there's disc, there's values and attributes, and they all speak to different things. Disc answers how questions, how does this person prefer to behave? That's observable behavior on, you know, outside looking in. Values answers why questions, the inside. Why is this person behaving that way? What's motivating them on the inside? Attribute speaks to what? What is this person naturally gifted at? In what order do they process information? If I'm just looking at DISC, right, then there's a couple of things to understand. One, you have to understand that everybody has a unique blend of all four quadrants. I think that's the beautiful thing. It's like, as unique as a fingerprint. Everybody has a unique blend, whether it's in the natural or the adaptive, but everybody's blend is their own. Now you have people who are what I would call pure in that, in a dominant area, right? So they're a pure D or a pure I or a pure S or a pure C, meaning like they're only dominant in that one quadrant and the rest are sort of just midline or low, right? Then you have people who have multiple dominant areas or multiple high areas, right? Um, Maybe a high D and a high I, or some people have high D, high I, high S. But I can always tell when there's one that is their go-to and their dominant because it'll be consistent in their natural and adaptive. It'll, it'll, It'll mirror each other almost. That's how I know, okay, this is really your preference. You're most consistent here. But again, everybody has a unique blend. And then you have people who have what I like to call like unicorn profiles, right? So myself, I'm a high D, but I also have a high S. And if, you know, I mean, I can't really show it here, but the the D and the S are juxtaposed to each other because they're opposites. So I have a, I'm a 99 D, but I also have a 70 S. Dave is another person who, has a unicorn profile. He's a high I, 99I with a high C. You usually don't get those two things in the same person. And so it gives you this really like unique, hence the unicorn profile term in one person, right? They It's a mix that you don't see uh, very much. And then I will start to look at the relation. I will look at each quadrant in isolation. And then I start to look at each quadrant and how it relates to the other quadrants. And then I look at it in totality. And I look at what the story, what story is being told to me through this chart. I look at, you know, like you said, each each, um, personality type has a a dominant emotion attached to it. Each one has a dominant fear. Each one has a dominant motivator. I look at all of those different things. And again, because I've looked at so many assessments, it just clicks. But there is a sequence and a process that I go through in my mind, but it just happens instantaneously at this point. Is there anything to say about a person who's adaptive is directly inverse to their natural, or is is that even possible? Yeah, so there are people who, um, there are people who have, let's say, a high I, 
and then their eye and their adaptive drops all the way down, right? And then there are people who have a really low eye and their eye adapts all the way up. It isn't good, it isn't bad, it isn't right, it isn't wrong, but it tells me something different. It tells me something about you as a person and how you prefer to behave. What does safety look like? How does your how does your mode of safety shift, right? All of us develop these strategies for success over life. And when I say a strategy of success, our goal is to stay safe. We have this like, you know, animal brain where we like, we need to feel safe. Now, when you're zero to seven, for instance, and whatever's happening in your life, you will learn a coping mechanism that gets you out of situations that make you feel uncomfortable, make you feel unsafe. For some people, it's escaping. For some people, it's humor. For some people, it's aggression. For some people, it's you know people-pleasing or whatever. And what happens is because it worked for us and it's continued to work in this season, we carry it into the other seasons of our life. But those situations are not the same. So now we're using this strategy of success because it's familiar and it worked, but then it's not, a, it's not working with these new situations. And now we have friction. Now we have stress. So then we have to develop a new strategy. And that's where a lot of this work comes in because a lot of us are operating on a, you know, just on this automatic script. But the script isn't working for us and it's been informed by other people and other influences that aren't in alignment with who we truly are and what we truly need to be, be healthy and be safe as people. Attributes. Attributes. How do you read that one? So that's the one that says empathy, Yep. So with attributes, if you look at the left hand, it shows the externals, and the right is the internals, right? And the externals are what I like to call glacial, meaning like they don't really, they don't change over the course of your life. Again, attributes is based on axiology, Axiology is the study of how the brain processes or places value on things. So when we're looking at the when we're looking at the externals, this is how you process the external world around you. So when we see empathy, we see um, practical thinking and systems judgment. Well, empathy is speaking to how are you able to process people how they look, how they feel, like are you able to process people and to what degree you're able to process people? When we look at practical judgment, practical judgment speaks to knowing what to do in this moment to take action, right? So what is the thing that we need right now to proceed? How to solve a problem in the present moment? Then systems judgment speaks to... um, being able to have foresight, seeing where things are going or where things are leading to. So that is all of how we process the external world. Now, the numbers will let us know or basically how high or low the bar is speaks to how visible it is to us. So the higher the bar, the more clear it is, the lower the bar, the, you know, the more difficult it is for us to see. And again, everybody has a unique mix. One, most people are dominant in one area. 
some people are dominant in two, and then you have people who uh, have what is called triple mastery, right? And they are dominant in all three simultaneously. So what attributes is saying is when you walk in a room or when you walk in a space, you will notice one thing first over another. So it literally is showing you in what sequential order your brain is processing information. A person with triple mastery, though, processes all three things simultaneously, which is pretty a pretty rare thing. Um, there is no right or wrong. There are you know there are pros and cons to everything, but it's rare for a person to possess triple mastery. Then you have the internals, which can change a little bit more than the externals, and you have uh, self belief and self esteem. You have uh, uh, role awareness, and then you have self-direction. Self-esteem and the self-belief speaks really to how you prioritize yourself versus the other things in the world. So if it's higher, it just means that you know to prioritize yourself, how to put your oxygen mask on first. If it's lower, then you have some self-deprecating sort of thoughts, feelings, right? You don't really prioritize yourself. You will take care of everybody else around you. Role awareness really speaks to how you identify. Do you identify with the various roles that you play at work, at home, son, father, mother, boss, whatever, versus do you get your sense of self and identity from just being you? And then you have being the self-direction is we all have a North Star. We all have this like thing that we're looking to achieve, how clear and how confident are you in achieving it? For some people, they're crystal clear in how they're going to do it, and they're crystal clear in their confidence to do it. Some people know they're going to get there. They just don't know how, right? And all of that is shown in attributes. So what's the high or what's the low? So typically, high is anything above 6.5, so really we start talking high once we start to get in like the seven, like seven and above. So I try to get a, if you can elaborate. When you said for the external is what you gravitate first when you walk into a room. Um So what are your scores? Uh, and, and give me the plus and the minus. Okay, so empathy is four and negative. Mm. Give him the five. No, no, you don't have to. You can just oh, read right. the numbers. Okay. Uh, practical thinking is 7.1 plus. Mm-hmm. System judgment is four negative. And then on internal, self-esteem, self-belief is a negative six. Uh, role awareness is... Five point seven plus self-direction is seven point one plus. Got it. Okay, so one, um, it basically tells me that you are always you're wired for what do I need to do right now. You're not, not that you're not thinking about it, but it's an afterthought to think about what you need to do later. You're thinking about what do I need to do right now in this moment. That's how you process information. 
it also lets me know that, and and so th- this is where you start to understand people because somebody may look at Reese and say he's insensitive or he doesn't care or he's a jerk, right? When I hear that his empathy is at a four, you said a, a four point, it's a four, right? So if it's at a four, it means that his brain does not process people until last. So it doesn't mean he doesn't care, but the way his brain is wired, he thinks about the impact of something on people last. He's wired for, okay, what do we need to do and what's going to solve the problem? It doesn't mean that he doesn't care. So if he's doing something nine times out of ten, He's like, yo, I really didn't mean for it to come across that way. Or I didn't, I didn't mean to do that that way. That, that wasn't my intention. Now, if your empathy is high and you're doing things and it's offending people, then I know you're being a jerk. But when it's low, he honestly and truly is not being malicious. It's not how he's wired. And I tell people all the time that there are three types of people in this world, right? There's the person who... Is ignorant. They just don't know. They they need the information. They they're just not aware. Then there's the person who chooses not to, right? This is a person who is operating under the power of choice. They have agency. And the third person is the person who's just not capable. They're not built that way. And a lot of times we have conflict with people because. We're requiring something of people that they're not wired and built for. And we struggle as individuals sometimes because we're requiring things of ourselves that we're not built and designed for. So a person said, like, if he's not wired to, like, he's solution-oriented. He's going to jump in to fix something. He'll get to making sure everybody feels okay. But in the way his brain works, it's going to be the last thing he gets to in how he's assessing a situation. If somebody is uh, high empathy, they're going to go, well, how's this going to make people feel? But they may not be trying to solve the problem because they're caught up in how people feel, right? There is no right or wrong. It's just how people are wired. Does that make sense? How you, yeah, so external is how you process the world around you, and internals is how you process the world inside you your thoughts, your feelings, emotions, things like that. So, read those, read your internals. Okay, so one, it lets me know that you put other people before yourself, right? You you put other people before yourself to a fault in a in a in an unhealthy way, in a way that is damaging to you, 
So you have a good heart. But you you will literally die trying to save somebody else or doing for somebody else. You just prioritize people around you before you prioritize yourself. And it's an admirable thing, but it lets me know um, self-preservation is almost an afterthought because you are wired for the support and the help of other people. With the role awareness, it lets me know that you have a sense of self, but you're also not, you're not really clear about all of the roles that you play in your life. Like you're kind of trying to figure out the different hats, but you do have a sense of self. Like you do have a sense of identity is what I mean. The self-direction lets me know, and you said it's a 7.1 positive or negative? Positive. So positive is that one, you're pretty clear about where you're going and you're confident that you're going to get there. So it's like I see my destination and I feel confident in my ability to get there. Make sense? Does that resonate? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't need to see the charts. I just you can tell me the numbers and I can Yeah, he took the assessment. I'm 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 waiting to see the uh Sometimes it has a delay. How do you use this? How do you use it as far as I got you, Jack. Now now I see it. Send it to you right now, bro. So being an empath isn't a, a bad thing. Being anyway isn't a good thing or a bad thing. Everything, there is no good, there is no bad, there is no right, there is no wrong. Like, people, like, you know, for a while I had people, like, you're heartless, you're emotionless, you're... And I, you know, it used to bother me. Like, people like, I mean, you don't care, whatever. And I'm like... I do care. I just process. I show that I care in a different way and I process emotion in a different way. Like I'm I'm not a monster. I'm not I'm 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 more on a stoic end of the spectrum, but I do care about people. I actually care too much. I will overextend myself for people that I love, right? But the thing is it's like once you're in, you're in with me. But it's fucking hard as hell to get in with me. Because I don't let people get in. But once I let you in, it's like, there's no boundaries. I'll do anything for you. But to the outside world, like, if you don't know me, you're like, yeah, this dude is cold. Like, he don't smile. He don't, he just, he's a stone cold killer, like. But people that know me, like, oh, I laugh, I joke, I, like, I'm, I act goofy with, you know what I'm saying? Like, but not everybody gets to see that. And people are like, man, you should be like, the, you should, you should show other people that side. And for me, it's like, it's not for them. It's meant for my people. I give all of myself to my people, and it's my circle. But like for the rest of the world, I couldn't spread myself that thin. I'd burn myself out. So I'd rather go a mile deep with a few people than go 
a mile wide with a whole bunch. You dig what I'm saying? There is no right or wrong. There's no good or no bad. But it's understanding who you are so you know how to navigate situations and you know how to navigate relationships with people. So one, so one, I, uh, I, one, work is easy for you. Relationships are hard for you. Personal relationships, platonic relationships, romantic relationships are difficult for you because most people misread you. Most people misunderstand you. They think you're probably aloof, nonchalant, you don't care. And it, it's not that you don't care. You process the world in a different way than most people do. The other thing is because you want to do things in excellence, people can feel like you're being critical of them. No. You like to do things your way. You're selfish. No. Those two things don't correlate that way. So... I know that that is, and and this is without knowing or, you know, knowing intimately what, you know, but I can look at it and tell that those are the struggle areas for you. You doing work, you, you, you check a box easy. The doing of things is super easy, but people understanding your, the intention behind your actions, that's what's hard. You feel misunderstood a lot of times, and then so you get to the point where it's like, bro, I'm not. I don't have energy to keep defending myself or keep having to explain this. Like, I just, I'm cool. I'll stay in my corner. And it's already hard enough for you to let people in your space or to express yourself to people. Then when you finally do and you feel misunderstood by it, it's like, bro, see, this is why I don't do this. One, you figure out how to navigate because you won't always have control over the environment and you won't always have control over what comes at you. Like life throws shit at you sometimes, right? So you have to know how, you have to have mastery of self so that you know how to navigate yourself in and out of a situation. Then from there, you have to master your environment and the people around you. So now you have to be mindful of who you allow in your space, who you allow access to you, and then you have to be mindful of the environment you're in because the environment is going to influence your behavior more than anything. So if you're around, you're in the wrong environment, you're adding friction that you may not need. So being in the right environment, an environment that's tailor-made for you, it's effortless for you to do what you do It's because there's no friction. It's built for you to thrive. But one that's not for you is going to make everything difficult. And eventually you burn out of energy because your energy is finite. So it's really a, it's really a, a, an exercise in energy management. How do you put yourself in an environment to get the most done with the least amount of effort? What environment allows you to do that? What people allow you to do that?
and it's just a it's a it's a it's an an exercise in managing all of those things so you can keep it in place so that you are you're able to sustain that over time. And then if you keep doing that over time, then economies of scale plays in your favor because you're able to compound the the outputs and the the the, the interest that you get back from you know the 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 interest that you get in the the things that you receive from being able to perform at a really high level over time. People are like, oh, he's a genius. No, he's playing his game. You put me in a room full of people. Nope. But put me in an intimate setting like this, I thrive. Because I'm why I care about creating deep connection. I don't like surface level. So we could really chop it up and build. I'll sit and build with you all day. But you throw me in a room with a whole bunch of people and I'm going to go sit in the corner somewhere. Yeah. I'm not wired for it. My thing is, I'll be like, what are we talking about? Like, what's, what are we doing? And for somebody, they could feel like it's insensitive. Like, bro, like, what's the, I'm like, what is we talking for? Like, I'm not being rude. I'm just like, I just, I would prefer to spend my time doing something different, like, or spend it in a different way. And it's important to understand not to project yourself on another person or your way because that may not, again, everybody is operating to keep themselves safe. When you're projecting you on another person that's not like you, you basically saying, man, like, I don't care. Like, you're just going to have to deal with feeling uneasy. No. And for me, I got to a place where I thought I was, I thought what I wanted was happiness. I thought I was, I thought I was in the pursuit of happiness. That's what it was about. But I really, what I really wanted was peace. And I realized that in order for us to have happiness, we have to engage with something that's outside of ourselves. We need something to interact with that's outside of self, some sort of stimuli or something. But what happens when that thing doesn't exist or it isn't around anymore? Then you don't have happiness. But peace resides within. So in order for me to have peace, I just need to go deeper within myself. And what I realize is the more of myself that I confront, the more free I become. So it's, it's a win-win. So yeah, I want to spend time deep in deep thought. I want to spend time uh, being curious. Curiosity is a skill that everybody needs to develop. That's why kids are like so pure because they're naturally curious. Developing a skill of curiosity allows you to solve problems and allows you to get insights that you would never get otherwise. So I'm like, where does that come from? I'm always asking myself a question. Where, like, like why do you do that? Or where's that coming from? Or like, 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 what's up? Like, where? And the more I get into the question, I get to new information. I get to new. Like, oh, that's where that came from. Well, when was the first time you thought that thought? Or when was the first time you had that feeling? Okay, and why did you have that feeling? Well, I don't know. Well, somebody probably gave it to you, right? There's a foundational programming that we get from like zero to seven. You know what I'm saying? Like before we really get into the world, 
we're an open sponge. Like people are throwing all sorts of words, phrases, thoughts, opinions, beliefs, and then we just adopt it and we're just like, well, this is the way, right? And we have to sort of see if that fits who we are. And if it doesn't, we got to unlearn it and then learn, relearn the thing that does work for us. And that's like, that's really the work of life. That's like a, that's, I mean, that's how, that is a life's worth of work. We will be doing this our entire lives. And people think like, oh, you'll be all right, or let's just, you know, party that away, or let's go work that away. It doesn't go away. You want somebody to come into your workplace and perform, they can't because they're dealing with real life shit. Therapy does help. For some people, therapy help. Like, for some people, they, you know, meditation is a thing. Therapy help, like, because you, again, in a lot of ways, when you don't have a feedback loop, when you don't have somebody to bounce an idea off of or somebody to give you a difference of perspective, it's like driving in a car with no mirrors. So when a person isn't self-aware or they don't have that, it's like driving, but you only have your rear view mirror and the windshield. And you're trying to switch lanes and you keep crashing or you keep, because you don't have the mirrors to see what's coming up or what's trailing you or what's on the side of you, right? You don't have the additional vision. But when you have people around you who can be honest, who could be true to you and have your best intentions they can give you insight on your blind spots the things that you can't see like i don't care how much you look into that mirror you still got to look over your shoulder that's the blind spot and it's natural the mirrors don't catch everything but it helps give you more of a view everybody needs that and for me, I think it's very important for us to get around people who who love us, who respect us, but they're not impressed by us. Because those are people that are going to stretch you. They're not impressed by this version of you. They see all of who you are and what you can be. So they're always going to ch challenge you and push you and stretch you into being your best self. I had a mentor tell me, like, if you're a friend to my present, you're an enemy to my future. Like, if you're super comfortable and you love this version of me, you like, this is what it, like, this is the buck stops here for you, you'll never allow me to grow into who I'm supposed to be or evolve into all that I can be. And it's, it's, putting ourselves in an environment that's tailor-made for us, the people, the places, the things, what we consume, what we speak, what we think. Most of us are not doing that because we've been programmed to do something that someone thought we should. And we're perpetuating that by making those choices, but those choices are not in alignment with who we are. 
awareness breeds choice. So you can't choose something you're not aware of. So if you don't know who you are, you can't make choices that serve you. It's impossible. So if you're not clear about who you are, you're making choices to serve somebody else. And you're doing it on a consistent basis. So you're always in this vicious cycle of just being stressed, bumping your head, being stressed, bumping your head. And that wears a person out over a lifetime. But once you are equipped and once you are aware of who you are and you understand why you are that way, now you can make choices that serve you. And even in those even in those choices, right? There are things that there are things that you know you know, there are things that you know you don't know, and then there are things that you don't know that you don't know. And that's the scary part because you can't do anything about something you don't know. So it's like in the ether. But when you're exposed, right? That's why exposure is important. Because you're living a life based on all of the choices you know to be available to you. But it doesn't mean that that is inclusive of all the choices that are available. So when you start to get exposed to more things, it equips you with more choices to make. Now you have more choices available to you that serve you. This version of you and the version of you that you want to become. But if you don't know that it's there, then you can't choose it. That's what this is all about. Making you aware so you can exercise the power of choice in a way that serves your truest, most authentic self. And do so unapologetically. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.